everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast coming to you very early on Monday morning because the boys are all off on a jolly in London to the HWPAs. So watch out, London Town. They're coming for you, the Betfair boys. Uh, we have a lot to discuss, as always, on this show. We'll be looking back at some of the racing, the good performances, the market movers, etc. But also we've got loads of news topics as well. So I'm joined, as always, by Tony Calvin, Brendan Duke and Kevin Blake. But before we go any further, don't forget Rachel Blackmore's Serial Winners Fund. £100,000 donation has been made by Betfair and that pot has got rocking and rolling because now every time Rachel Blackmore has a winner between was Haydock, Betfair Chase Day and the Grand National Day, every time she rides a winner, Betfair are putting five grand in the pot. So the pot currently is at £105,000 courtesy of Rachel Blackmore having a winner and she's got plenty of chances this coming week as well. So hopefully that fund will get a decent top up. That is the Serial Winners Fund check-in and of course it is for the Irish Injured Jockeys and the Injured Jockeys Fund over here in the UK. So it's a great cause. Boys, let's do a check-in. Kevin Blake, I know you are out on the town last night but how are you feeling this morning? Hey, night, Vanessa. I was in bed at 10 o'clock. Big day today, so I need need to be fresh. Not, not to mention the podcast at 8 o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, we're, we're professionals here, Vanessa. We're professionals. We are indeed, yeah. I'm feeling as professional as ever. TC, you're glowing. <laughs> I bet, I bet you weren't in bed at 10 o'clock last night. <laughs> I, 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 no, I wasn't. I wasn't in bed at 10 o'clock last night, unfortunately. But anyway, I'm fresh. I'm fresh this morning. TC, you're as fresh as ever. We can rely on you to be professional for this show. Yeah. And Brendan, they've let you out. This is it. You're in London town, are you? Yes, well, I'm very excited. I mean, nominally excited for Kevin, who was up for an award today. But between yourself and myself, Vanessa, it goes no further. I think there could be a Lifetime Achievement Award coming my way today at the HWPA Award. It's all, it's, it's all very, this is your life. Barry Orr was there. Oh, we just happened to have an extra space at the table. Could you maybe make it over to London? Now, the hope is that I think we can both agree that this Lifetime Achievement Award is well overdue and that I don't I don't go all golden cleric in the acceptance speech. And I'm, gracious. I'm trying to be gracious today, Vanessa. Love it. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear the speech. Can't wait for, yeah. to see a snap of you with the award. It's going to be excellent. What a good time. There, there, there's, there, I reckon I reckon I make Vanessa heavy odds against to have not got the Golden Cleric reference there. And Tony would only have her own even money. Uh, how, how am I getting that? It was, I tell no you what, chance. if he does do an not acceptance speech, no, no fucker's going to know what he's talking about judging from his tweets. I can't understand yeah. 90% of them. <laughs> father right. Ted Father Ted can't beat it oh Father and now Ted right on to the liars <laughs> let's move on guys let's talk about some racing because of course it was a big weekend in Ireland not quite the weekend we were hoping for in the UK but we will get to that in due course it's of course the fighting fifth falling foul of the weather rescheduled for next well this weekend coming but again that will be discussed a little bit later in the show let's talk about the racing that actually did happen Brendan I shall start with you because it's your special day with that Lifetime Achievement Award mm. let's kick off with the Hatton's Grace um, Imperial Pass beaten by Tiupu what did you make of the race itself the ride Jack Kennedy gave the winner how did you dissect it in the aftermath was it all about that ride from Jack 
Well, I mean, I didn't think there was anything wrong with Townend's right because I, I suppose he's not particularly happy that the, it, it's a slow pace. But he's on the horse who, who certainly I would have expected to have the best turn of foot in the race. So it looked like it was going to turn into a, a real speed test. It, indeed, indeed, it did. But um, T. Hoopoo's just somehow managed to run down in Perry Pass, who perhaps paid for his early exertions. Now, he wasn't ranking or anything, but he didn't settle as well as T. Hoopoo. The ground seemed to be quite deep there on, on Sunday. And, you, you know, maybe he needed the run. You can definitely uh, find legitimate excuses for in Perry Pass, but you kind of feel like the standard is so high that if he was going to be a credible challenger to... Constitution Hill, which is what we were looking for, because State Man, top class horse that he is, he's it's almost impossible to see him turning around the the the, the form with Constitution Hill. Whereas in Perry Pass had that, well, how, how good could he be? We 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 don't know. And I kind of feel like if he was going to be a credible challenger to Constitution Hill, he would have been able to overcome being a bit keen and maybe needing the run on deep ground. So ultimately, a bit disappointed. But but Tiafu, just a smashing horse. That's two Hatton's graces now. He's only a six year old. Ran off his face. For a horse uh, of, of, of that age in a stairs hurdle and has now taken up favoritism uh, for, for, for that race th- this year and, and rightly so you'd have to say yeah tc let's throw to you for, for a few prices and movements here obviously as brendan's outlined not the performance we were hoping for for imperi pass and tupu sort of remains kind of i don't know slightly underrated which is a bizarre comment to make about a horse who's now at the top of a market like the stairs hurdle? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the most disappointing aspect is obviously they said after the race they're going to go straight to Chilton, which yeah. is just, I mean, what is going on with this sport? I mean, if it's if it's good good to soft ground on the day, then they, you know, they're going to be moaning about, you know, it hasn't got his, because obviously he's best on, on testing ground and it was pretty testing there at the weekend. So, I don't know what they're doing, just aiming for one day. Uh, that was my main takeout. In Purim Passe, traded at 1.16 in running. I, like everyone else, I just thought he was going to kick clear off, off a steady pace. But TEP is a very good horse when fresh, which is probably why they're going straight there in March. But I just think it's just incredibly disappointing that we have these these kind of like things in the aftermath of races, as you know, as we probably did with Stage Star. Uh, after his win as well. So, no. Um, yeah, I, I have two good performances. I wouldn't be too downbeat on Imperial Passy. And obviously, TUP enhanced his claims there, doesn't he? Okay. Um, let's talk about the other grade ones on the day at Barry House, Kev. We will roll on to the Royal Bond and obviously his hurdle one by Farron Glory. Um, kind of the theme of the grade ones at Fairy House was maybe just no superstar, is that fair to say, Kev? Or am I being tough? Maybe I'm being tough on these horses, actually. Um, maybe not in this case now. Um, Messi will race as well in, in on top of with some traffic trouble in behind. Um, lacked, you know, you, you couldn't help but get the impression that we're dealing with Willie Mullins' kind of second strings here. And, yeah. um, with, you know, and, and, and Farron Glory, in fairness to him, like there was a good step forward from his, um, his maiden hurdle win, whereas jumping had been... Um, not impressive. Essentially, I thought he was very chasery. Um, at Clamel, he, he flattened out a bit here and um and showed a good attitude because he it got messy. Um, he got kind of spat out the back there after the third last and had to be tough. 
So I, I don't want to be knocking him, but um, you just you just know the battalions are coming, and you just know that there's going to be deeper grade ones than this later in the season. And Farron Glory is going to need to keep um, pulling on if he's to stay, if he's to win another grade one, essentially. But um, look, it's it's job done in many ways. He's won a grade one here, good and early in the season. Um, and yeah, we'll see where he lands. But will, will he be one of the top novice herders at the end of the season? Uh, it seems unlikely at this stage. But look, at he took a good step forward here. He, he needs to step forward again. But we'll see how he goes. Okay, well then, Brendan, let's roll on to the Drimmore whilst we're at it. Because again, you know, I am Maximus winning it, the Irish Grand National winner, um, winning it at, at a big enough price for William Mullins and Jody McGarvey in the saddle, 11 to 1. I am Maximus returned. Bit disappointing from the more fancied runners, mainly let's be clear about it. And again, I'm just wondering if same rules apply. It's like the Drimmore isn't the sort of grade one novices chase where you hope that a horse with a profile like I am Maximus goes and wins it, if that makes sense, without being mean to him. No, no, no absolutely. Uh, but, uh, a horse who, who didn't travel all that well in an Irish national still found a, a, a way to win, who was beaten 10 lengths in a Brown advisory and didn't jump all that well on Sunday. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but yeah, I mean, your eye was... Uh, throughout the race was drawn to let's be clear about it who just put in an exhibition round of jump and, and again that, that traded fives on in the run and I could totally see why I wouldn't have liked to be laying it it looked all over a winner and, and just just completely emptied uh, it, was, it, it, it was desperately disappointing uh, so I am Maximus has now won an, an, an Irish national and Anna Drinmore, uh, the smashing horse. We we, we know he's, he he has bundles of stamina and, and travelled. I I thought it, it was interesting how much better he travelled at two and a half miles on Sunday than he did, for example, in in the Irish National. So possibly an improving horse. Um, but I like you initially, and I haven't thought about it. But was disappointed with the results. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see them drop. Um, I'd love to see them drop. Let's be clear about it to the minimum now. Um, yeah. like he, he, he's traveled particularly strongly in all his races over over fences so far, over two and a half. And, um, yeah, I think having been beaten now, I think dropping and trip is, is definitely the way to go. And um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up completely, but this, this was a bit of a blow. Um, to those of us that were so impressed with him at Cork, but I, I'd like to see him back at Charter. Okay, and just in terms of prices, Farron Glory was cut to 16 to 1 for the Ballymore from 33s and same price for the Supreme from a bigger price of 40s for that novice hurdler. And Iron Maximus now into open company. It's been cut to 12 to 1 for the Savills Chase from a bigger price of 33s. And he will remain a horse of interest, uh, but not in novice company anymore. Let's talk about a few novice hurdlers, TC, because we saw some very nice performances um specific well both sides of the Irish Sea actually but we will kick off with the big talking horse Jericho de Reponet who won that Newbury Maiden big hype horse Nicky Henderson JP McManus you know the story by now massive cuts for the Supreme is eight to one from tens with Betfair on the sports book other pro- other um firms going much shorter and what about this hype horse TC I feel like are you were you what sort of price was he before he made this start? What sort of prices did he get cut to afterwards? Tell us the tale. Um well he was he was backed in he, he was back before the race on the exchange. You could have laid him at he was a trading at eleven on the exchange just before the race, but that's always the way people 
take a punt, you know, he's going to be wildly impressive and uh, and short and, you know, try to the trade. But I, I don't get this hype horse at all. Uh, I, well, money talks and obviously he's presumably been, been backed uh, around various places. But I, yeah, it accelerated after a gallop he did or that silly newbie gallops day with Dusart. Um And I'm, I won't actually tell you where it come from, but you can guess. I, I said, well, what about that gallop? And, and I was told it was not a special gallop, I assure you. And I know some of the some of the people in the stable just can't understand where this has come from. And now the horse obviously won on the bridle on Saturday, but you know, he didn't travel that much kindly. I can't see him winning the Supreme. And I honestly will say this Unibet went three to one after the race for the Supreme. That is, I can't recall. I can't, I simply cannot recall a worse price. For Cheltenham, the horse he beat three and a quarter lengths, albeit on the bridle. The previous he'd been beaten thirty six lengths by Wilmount, a stablemate of, of Henderson's, and and one's eight to one with the sportsbook, and Wilmount's fourteen to me. I just, he's, he's eight's top price, and that's a pretty much representative on the exchange. I guarantee you, if I didn't have to tie up the money, I would literally. I would quite comfortably lay 509s to anybody. So any, to DM me anybody if you want 509s, and we'll settle up in March. But and we, can't, we can't encourage this black market bookmaking. Oh, tell me it's all the rage. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to be, it, 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 it would be a classic duel between Tony Calvin and the paddock judges. Did you know that this is supposed to be a beautiful looking horse, Tony? So perhaps then you would bet the creepy. Thank you, Brendan. You see, Tony, I, I, I don't get it. You, 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 you fall, you've fallen into a terrible trap, there, Tony. You've fallen into the clever trap, and Unibet have been playing this game for many a year. They realized many years ago that if you cut a horse into the shortest price, you will get name checks. And here we are on the Betfair <laughs> Waiting podcast, and Unibet are getting a shout out. It doesn't matter if you're getting slagged, if you're getting name checked, you're winning. No, 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 no. Well, publicity no. is good publicity. That's what my mother taught me from an early age. Uh, it's, the, it's, the tree, it's the tree seas controversy. Uh, to, to be cash. fair, they've seen the errors of their ways and they're offering a very generous fires <laughs> your boots. okay Jericho done um, let's rattle through a couple of other decent <laughs> novice hurdling performances Brendan you can have Firefox who shared his maiden tag for uh, Gordon and co uh, beating Ballyburn at Fairy House over the weekend he caught a few people's eyes and has also been cut for the Supreme Tens now Yes, uh, travel noticeably well in the race. I did, I, I, as indeed the Ballyburn jump slightly better than Ballyburn, and maybe the benefit of a run told in the end. But maybe he, he he's just a, a really improving horse. He caught a lot of people's eyes on debut, but but, but Vanessa in uh, Navan over two and a half miles. Uh, but he, he he's never gone as far since. He seemed to have no problem that inside track in Fairy House. Yeah, it is relatively tight as well, but he's no problem traveling away there. And it, it, just to briefly pick up on Tony's point about Jericho Dramane, I if, if, if feel like Firefox would be more suited to a Supreme than him. Someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, kindly put up the point to point win of Jericho 
Um, and again, like that, he looked a bit of a grinder in his points. Uh, so he wouldn't necessarily look like a two-mile horse to me. But Firefox, despite starting off over two and a half miles, looks to have no problem with the minimum trip. And Ballyburn was a hugely exciting pump horse. And he saw him off pretty well. So, yeah, you'd, ha- you'd have to be very impressed. Sorry, Aaron. Firefox has been cut also for the Ballymore. Now 14s from 20s. And, of course, that was following up his win prior to this start at Berry House. Um, the other horse that's been cut for the Supreme, we should just give a quick mention to, was Daddy Longlegs, Kev, who was part of a Mullins five-timer at Turles. But like you said earlier, are we only seeing the sort of, I don't even want to say second string, third or fourth string from the Mullins yard at this point? Um, there was a good bit of chat about this horse kind of at, at various points. Um, he was just obviously really slow reappearing. There was talk about him um, last season, but he, he never got out. And should look at you'd kind of file him into the into the same category as Jericho, really. Like he's won a, a a pretty poor race in very good style. I suppose the difference is Jericho got cut into the price he did um, by the firm that will not be named. And um and you know whereas Daddy whereas Daddy Longlegs was a little bit more low profile, but they probably did something something similar. Daddy Longlegs probably did more actually on the form. Um, but yeah, well, I would, again, a little bit like Jericho, like I, you know, it, obviously there was a giant overreaction, but I thought it was um lovely starts for the two of them, and you know, it's just because they didn't have anything to beat. It's not to say they can't be very good, um, but you know, they need to go on and do it in much deeper company now before we um really start hurling them. But um, yeah, I thought they're uh, like it's jumping. Daddy Longlegs is jumping can be better. Um, hopefully will be better, but um, the style of it was good. Like you killed the race stone dead after the second last, and and away he went. So yeah, we'll we'll know more about him next time, I suspect. Well, in comparison to Jericho, Daddy Longleg Longlegs was cut for the Supreme from thirty threes to just twenties. Um, we should mention Wadu, who was unchanged after her victory at the weekend over here in the UK. Unchanged for the Triumph Market at 25s. Another winner over here for Gordon Elliott, Brendan. Um, Yard mm. continues, as we know, in great form. But why unchanged off the back of that performance at Newbury? Well, I, I mean, she, she she's won at four to nine, which I mean, in in, in fairness, means that there was a thirty percent chance she was going to lose the race. So you 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 could definitely justify uh, a, a, a slight cut in her price. I suppose maybe the odds compilers are using her to to to, to frame the other races around because she's very useful in that respect. Tied in with Cossack Chach, tied in with Nuremberg Ring. Um, it, it would suggest. That uh, the the people who took the twelves about Burdett Road and uh, into sevens for the Triumph will be feeling on good terms with themselves after Nurburgring and uh, Cossack Chach actually aren't that dissimilar in terms of they didn't have a lot of runs on the flat. Uh, so I, I think Nurburgring only had six starts on, on, on the flat, and now has is two from three over hurdles and the reversal. With with Wadu, there's nothing between them. I, I yeah, I suppose she 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 had a penalty at the weekend, and the horse she beat has has been a very solid stick in early season juvenile hurdles in 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 the UK. But she 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 she'd a fair bit of experience on the flat. She'd now had four runs over hurdles. She'd be getting her sex allowance in a triumph hurdle, but it's hard to believe. I, I mean, I would fancy, for example, Cossack Chach to be, be a better horse than her come March and whether 
he's likely to be winning a triumphant likable horse indeed that he is I I, I suspect not so uh, yeah 25 to 1 seems about right to me okay 25 to 1 then um, let's do some novice chasers guys Hermes Allen got off the market the first time of asking over fences in a grade 2 at Newbury that was his chase debut for Harry Cobden Paul Nichols um, kind of went about it in the fashion that you were expecting straight into a grade two, Tony, um, and Paul Nichols picking up better prize money, obviously, than running in just the standard um, novice chase. And I don't know, I wasn't blown away by him. Is that fair for Hermes Allen? Wasn't? In the context of what Paul Nichols was saying, it probably should be because he said he missed a, a month's bit of work. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. He, he obviously opened up very short, 11 to 10. He, I think he, he hit around about 3.25 on the exchange before <clears throat> there was late money for him. So, yeah, I, I think it was I think it was a decent race. A few in between, a few in behind, disappointed. Nickelback, the front runner, hit a couple. And, you know, if he hadn't, it might have been interesting to get Hermes and at it. Yeah, I think they'll be over, given that the, the setback and the lack of work, obviously they're absolutely delighted. All right, it's been cut. He's a he's he, he's a zesty performer, isn't he, Hermes Allen? I love the way he went down to the first. The same over hurdles. He really attacks his obstacles. Apparently, he's not not the biggest horse in the world, but he really seems. I know he came up short in the spring festivals and may do well it, a, a, again over fences. But a very likable horse. Yeah, I think there's definitely he's cut to eight to one for what it's worth for the Turners from sixteens. And yeah, maybe maybe I'm being a bit glass half full on this Monday morning. One horse that I was very taken with, Kev. Glass half empty. (laughs) Oh yes, every time. I don't know why I use these sayings. I bet you didn't leave a glass half empty last night, did you, girl? (laughs) I wasn't drinking last night. I was driving for what it's worth. Do you see? They don't. They don't have a bar at that hotel, no. It's not a hotel. I wouldn't right. stay in a hotel for fear of ordering an extra pillow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, a joke from earlier before recording. Um, Corbett's Cross, Kev. Corbett's Cross. Well, that is one horse that I just have a lot of time for. Obviously got off the market the second time of asking over fences. Pretty cosily at the line. He's been cut for all sorts of races. He's eights for the Turners and he's tens for the Brown Advisory. Um, obviously, having gone off favourite, and then the dramatic ducking out at the Cheltenham Festival at the last fence when looking in, last hurdle and looking in with a chance, he's obviously got a quirk in him, maybe. But I just think there's going to be so much more to come from him over fences. Yeah, I thought this was really good. Sure, look, this was this was a great class race um, in the in the guise of a maiden chase, and um, I, I was delighted with him. Um, I thought his jumping like took a massive step forward. He was, he, I was very disappointed with his first run over fences. He was big and skewy and then he started going left and um, it just, it just wasn't an encouraging start, but he was so much better here. Um, like still not perfect, but the, the difference, it was chalk and cheese. Um, still got, got a, a little bit skewy and left at times, but only a little bit, um, given a lovely patient ride by Mark Walsh and like ultimately won quite snugly. From you know the three that will be probably winning graded novice chases this year in uh, the season in three car Bragg Monty Starr and Nick Rocket um so to put them away cosily I thought um bodes very well for him like he's going to be fine going up and trip and yeah I think 
if he can if he can improve his jumping again, um, second start to third, I think you know he's going to be bang up there with, with the better staying novice chasers around. It's a yeah, I'm excited for him this season. I'm looking forward to his progression. Still a work in progress for sure. Uh, Brendan, a couple of other horses to rattle through before we get to the news section. Classic getaway, part of that um, <laughs> Turles 5 timer for Mullins, is now 20 to 1 for the Savile's chase off the back of what he did in the week. What what might we hope for him this season? He's sort of... He's got an interesting, I find this all, I feel like he's got an interesting profile, but is he going to find himself in trouble when he gets up against those real top notches in a race like the Savills? Well, I hope we get to find out, Vanessa, because I talk about zesty performances. Just jump out in front, ping every From friend. the front, he, let's he, do it. Yeah. He, he, he looked. He looked to have the the the, the race won a, a long way out, and, and it, it, indeed he, he did. Now whether he'll get to take his chance in the Savills, I kind of feel like he will because it, you you mentioned his profile. So he got, he goes into a Punchestown maiden hurdle, and then they just say right, we'll bang him in the Albert Bar, but twenty two to one granted. Then go goes chasing, wins a, a, a beginner's chase in in Gorn. We'll bang him into a Grade One in Punchestown. Not not a bother, maybe not the strongest Grade One in the world, but it still suggests that he shows them plenty at home. And I have seen him, as you know, Keen Paddock Judge that I am, Vanessa. He's a big boy, so he's he, he's only seven. He could just be filling that big frame. I was I was so impressed with that. Right now, you never know what Mullins is going to do with it. Like he he could just say, "Oh yes, this is the new Bashasad." And if you're running them around in grade threes in Cork and listed races out up here, I mean, he'd, he'd never get a chance. But I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to give him, see him take his chance in, in the Savills. I think at, at twenty to one, I'd, I'd, I'd give him a sporting chance. It's obviously going to be a big step up, but he's a very interesting horse, and um, I would appeal to Willie Mullins to roll the big dice with Classic Getaway, as he has done in the past. Let's just keep rolling that dice, see what happens. And on the basis that you're about to win a Lifetime Achievement Award, I'm sure Willie Mullins will listen to you. You know, it gives you, it's going to give you quite a bit more kudos, this award, this afternoon. Yeah. Yes, it, it, it's a shame. It, it's a shame that, the, that, 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 that that's, that's the case, that uh, people only start to pay attention to you. Obviously, I've been worthy of this award for years now. But uh, yeah, it'd be like Oscar winning Brendan Duke. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move a lot more product on the back of this award. That's true. <laughs> move a lot more product. Love it. Um TC, let's give a mention to Dashiell Drasher. We talked about the Stayers hurdling division at the top of the show. Dashiell Drasher won the long distance hurdle at Newbury on Friday. Great run from Paisley Park. Everyone roaring him home, trying to get up at the line. But it was the old boys to the fore and a disappointment from the favourite, meaning that that Stayers hurdle division sort of remains somewhat murky. Yeah, I mean, Dashiell Drasher, I mean, but he's wanted to form, but suggests he should have done. He's the highest rated horse in the race, getting six pounds from the penalised Paisley Park and the disappointing Marie's Rock. So, yeah, um, I don't think he's, you know, obviously he ran a brilliant race last year. You'd be disappointed if he wins it. Uh, you know, he's, as he, he'll be 11 next year, will he? Is he 10 now? So, yeah, I'd be disappointed yeah. if an 11 year old can win a Stairs Hurdle. But Nearly did it last year, and he looked, uh, you know, on good terms with himself at the weekend. But no. Uh, and what of Mary's Rock? I was so I really hoped that she might sort of step forward in this division, and that was a flop from her. Any excuses? I haven't. She I haven't. She spoken, stay. I haven't spoken to Nico, but they had a, a few big disappointments uh, last week. Under control, ran no kind of race. 
Jet Power, Brando Connor Race, Marie's Rock, Brando Connor Race. So could well be there's a, a collective reason for that, but no, very, very disappointing. Kev, you think she yeah, has No, never have. Um, never have. And I know she's got she's got some, you know. Her run at Aintree last year was good, but I just think, you know, she stays, but she's better at shorter, you know. She just she she's she's I know she set them a little bit better than she used to, but I just think they're trying to um stick the old square peg into the round hole with her staying trips. I'd be I'd be dropping back in trip for sure. She okay. was being a long way out though, wasn't she? Yeah, wasn't no, yeah, like I like I, I don't know if it was the trip on the day, but it's just the I don't oh, I, yeah. I, it wouldn't be for me. Okay, let's. Um, we had a few other horses to mention. Ilete Tom's has been cut for the Arkle. Fun, fun, fun with the, that win at Thurless has been cut for the Mayor's Novices. And Hansard for the Betfair Exchange Trophy uh, has been cut to eight to one. That's taking place just before Christmas at the Howden Christmas meeting at Ascot. Uh, he won, of course, the Jerry Field. And I'm a company girl, TC. I'm a company girl. Um, if anyone, I, I was just thinking, looking at Brendan's bed there, whether he ordered a male pillow or a female pillow last night. Ah, here. Oh, oh, that's enough of this pillow talk, Tony. Enough of this pillow talk. This, this is why I get this, the awards. This, this podcast has been spicy and zesty, as Brendan would call yes. it. I think we should move on to news topics. I think we should, if everyone's well, happy. Well, we should, we should just give a shout, quick shout out because you mentioned Fun, Fun, Fun. I was delighted yeah. to see Fun, Fun, Fun when because a little uh, notes from the paddock again. I was surprised she could actually see over the hurdles. Now, I know Willie Mullins has had great success with small mares for Vega. Well, if you want to see that she is a pony. But uh, again, another zesty effort down there. All right, it was a boat race she won, but she could see over the hurdles. I was delighted for her. Well, Brendan, yeah, well done mentioning Fun, Fun, Fun. And when we come off this show, when we finish recording, remind me to tell you a story, but it's not one for public consumption, which, of course, will drive the listeners and viewers mad. But I do have a story for you about Fun, Fun, Fun. Um, But before we wrap up the review section, we must mention That's All Right Gina, of course, winning the Coral Gold Cup. How have I got this far? And not mention that, the big race at Newbury on Saturday. And, of course, it was a huge win for one of the Betfair family, Anna Glinda. Davis and her family owning That's All Right Gino. Anna Glenn Davis, part of the Betfair team. We work with her. She's a superstar and huge day for a family-owned horse. And you could see that in the paddock afterwards. And for Jamie Snowden and Gavin Sheehan, they felt like there was a real good vibe about this winner of the Coral Gold Cup, Kev, I thought. I thought it sort of, uh, yeah, it seemed to have a good feels about it. No, it was class. It, it really meant a lot to all concerned, which is what you want, which is what these big races should be about, um, especially these big races outside of Cheltenham, because we, we all know that we can be, plenty can be guilty of um, always looking forward and not enjoying the day. And um, like this, this is a proper race with a great history. So um, I thought really, really worthy winner, fantastic horse race. Felt a little bit for John McConnell in second. Uh, Maller Mission ran a stormer. Um, uh, after his quiet time, but um, very much winner on merit. Um, the Belgino and uh, delighted for connections as well. So uh, on he goes. Uh, this is a, this is a, a very big day for them, and um, we'll see where he lands off his revised rating. But um, he he will forevermore be a Coral Gold Cup winner. So congrats to all. No, it's brilliant. And a nice, cool ride from Gavin Sheehan as well. Um, Just lots to like about the performance, the winner, and the team around. That's all right, Gino. 
Um, right, I think we can move on to topics because we've got a lot of news topics to discuss. And TC, we're coming straight to you because a couple of weeks ago, you told us some feedback you had from a race goer at Newmarket. Um, this was a few weeks back and they had been reported that when they arrived at Newmarket Racecourse to go racing on the fl- uh, in the autumn, obviously, that they were swabbed for drugs on entrance by the police. And it was quite a sort of maybe intimidating process. It was only the grandstand entrance, not the premier enclosure, because don't forget, posh people don't do drugs. Um, <laughs> but the police report has since come out. What are the findings, TC? Um, the headlines from this the is inter- This is interesting. This was, um, no, nowhere, nobody else picked up on this, but on October the 13th, for uh, Newmarket, you know, chemical strip drug tested, you know, people going into grandstand entrance. And, a guy who got in touch with us, um, and obviously we told his story. He was so he thought he was so heavy-handed he didn't go back the next day. And clearly he was quite, you know, he was quite miffed at this. So he actually asked uh, under a freedom of information request to the Suffolk Constabulary. Uh, he asked them some questions uh, about actually what went on that day. Wow. Well, fair play to the police. I mean, I sent I sent around I sent around the PDF of what he got back. Well, I won't name the guy because. I don't know if he wants to be named, but um, yeah, it's um, the, we always talk about anecdotally drug use at, 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 at racetracks, uh, but it seems 406 race girls were tested uh, and had a look, and there was 3,006 people attended that meeting as per the, the, the levy site. So it was only a small percentage, but 23 of them uh, tested positive on this chemical strip testing. Um, now, 23 out of 406 is probably, I'm not sure whether it's a lot or not, but um, a fair play to the police. They actually went into more detail and actually told you what they tested for, um, and tested positive for. And 13, uh, 17 were, out of the 23 were cocaine. Uh, and obviously some people have a heavy, heavy morning in uh, Newmarket because three of the people tested, tested positive for heroin. I mean, it's like madness. And the police actually did say in the PDF that it didn't include um, the you know people who were prevented from going in, and it also didn't include people that didn't go in because they saw the testing available. So it, the 23 out of 406 could be a very big number, or it could be just representative of the use of drugs in society. And, but I think it's quite on the large side because obviously, anecdotally, you just think, oh, People pass. People get this kind of like um, you know residue from various things on notes. But these days, when's the last time you bought anything with cash? So I think the twenty three out of four hundred six is a big number. And um, yeah, I think it, I thought it's very interesting. It'd be interesting, you know, why Newmarket did it on this day? Why only did it at one entrance? Um, yeah, it's a curious one. But it's like I said, it's it's instructed because obviously we always talk about drug use at, you know, toilets at race courses and stuff like that. It's just, it, it, it's interesting. The first time we've got some numbers to put mm-hmm. to the, to the you know, the anecdotes. Yeah. You know, it'd, be yeah. Fa- it'd be fascinating, I think, if you did a similar exercise, like on any high street in, in the UK, because um, I suspect, like, this is kind of a reflection of society as much as anything. Like, I think, it, um, like, there's numbers out there about drug use in society, like, but it's, pr- it's always going to be worse than the numbers tell you probably. And, um, I can't say when I saw the numbers, I wasn't shocked. Like when you see heroin appear and you kind of go, Jesus Christ. But um, 
like I'd say, if you, I'd be fascinated to see like a big sample of this done completely randomly out in the high street because it, it'd be it would probably be quite frightening really when you, when you see the it's results. Inter- it's it's the the inference was from the, the the you know what we saw from the PDF that the police said to the guy. Um, the police picked up all the costs uh, and not the not the race course. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's it's a good story in there for someone to actually pursue. Well, it. well it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating story, and I I was very tempted because cocaine is so passe, Tony. As you know, I was uh, the, the the absolute pureness of the paddock judge that arrived on ketamine, because of course I am a paddock judge myself, and there's a maxim. <laughs> There's a maxim that I think it, it's Ronald Reagan. The the, the 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 best thing for the inside of a man is the outside of a horse, which is which is always what I like to think. I like to try to become one with the horse and get a sense of them. As you know, paddock judging is is quite the science, Tony. But I mean, how pure do you have to be to think I'll take some horse tranquilizer to go and look at some horses? I mean, that is just next level. So I'll I'll, I'll try next to get on level. that to improve my game. It's not paddock judges getting overexcited. Yeah. And Kev, you mentioned testing on a high street and seeing what the numbers are. A bit of high street news from Newmarket this morning. Carnage on the high street because someone went down with a forklift truck and ripped out an ATM machine. Stop. Come to Newmarket, guys. It's like the Wild West out there. In the middle of the mayor's sale, they must must be looking for a few quid to to get stuck in the scepter session. Someone's buying a horse in Reddy's today. It sounds like uh, it's carnage out there. I haven't seen it myself, but that's the report from the high street this morning. Um, Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Kev, the petition, the affordability checks petition reached over 100,000 signatures. Thank God. And it took a little while. Big push from the industry to get that over the line. But it now means that it may, not for certain, it may now be debated in Parliament. What is the next step for this? What does this mean? Is this going to be a big deal or not? It, we were made out like it had to get to 100,000. But really, what will happen now? Um, yeah, sure, look, there was a bit of a f- fixation on it for a while there. And look, it got there. And 100,000 is a big number in our game. Like, you know, when you think of the core number of racing fanatics in the country, like, you know, I, I don't know how many subscribers those racing TV have, you know, I don't know, 50, 60,000, something like that. Like the, the core of our industry like isn't a giant number. So a hundred thousand is good going. Um, would it do anything? I don't know. Should look, it's good for our, our lobbyists to hold up. Um, when they tackle government and say, look, this is something that is of public interest and needs to be discussed. Um, hopefully it has an impact. Hopefully it leads to a debate. Um, the government, you know, before it hit a hundred thousand, the government had already made an official response to it. Um, that was published. Um, so look, hopefully, like uh, my view in this all along was, it can absolutely do no harm. It can only do good. Hopefully, it does do yeah. some good. Um, but I wouldn't like to be holding it up as the the saving grace of this situation, this very very serious situation. Um, but hopefully, it can be a, a positive contributor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can't do any harm, like you say. Um, I mentioned it at the top of the show. Obviously, we didn't get to see Constitution Hill because the fighting fifth was abandoned up at Newcastle due to the weather and, of course, the rehearsal chase as well. Um, and the fighting fifth has been rescheduled to take place at Sandown on Saturday on Betfair Tingle Creek Day. Great that they've been able to reschedule it, Brendan. Um, mm. But were you surprised about their decision to move it to Saturday at Sandown, a northern track down to a southern track yeah it was only uh, I, I, it wouldn't have been uh, something that that, that struck me I, it was it was on the, 
the, the the running order. I mean, would that be something that would be that the northern tracks would feel like? The, I mean, there is the option to go to to Weatherby. I mean, I can understand why they didn't want to go to Aintree given recent events. Well, they're probably hoping some of the hurdles get jumped and that Shishkin jumps <laughs> off. There's a, lot, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of interest and things going on, but you could definitely have made a case. Uh, for, for, for Weatherby, I, I, I could certainly say it, it wasn't something I thought about. I was just uh, d- delighted that they'd saved the race uh, more than anything. But given that I hadn't thought about it, I wondered, did, did they think about it? Would they be sensitive that, that Northern Racing might think that they're the poor relation to the Southern tracks? Yes. Is, is that an issue in it's- in the UK? It seems to be, I mean, a, f- a few northern monkeys on social media were moaning about it, say, oh, the north is being, you know, neglected. And But, All right, okay. but when you consider the fight in fifth at Sandown is going to be on a right-handed track, I mean, the argument is a left-handed track at Weatherby or Aintree would be more representative of the challenge that Newcastle would have would have, would yeah, have faced, okay. but uh, it's mm. it's it's a uh, basically it's trying it's just trying to get Michael Buckley there doesn't want to slip up to wherever he does it. he just well, <laughs> wrong just, you, you can run it around Tremore it doesn't matter Constitution Hill will be tens on it'll can't around it'll be fine but, like, so, but, <laughs> but the, the whole the whole exercise might be futile if Constitution Hill decides if Nicky Henry <laughs> Michael Buckley decide to wait for would decide to wait for, you know, go straight to the fighting fifth. I didn't really understand this narrative of like, we might now miss the rearranged fighting fifth because we want to go and win at Christmas yeah. at Kempton. And in my head, I'm thinking, but they're two grade ones. Like why, why is Christmas at Kempton more important than the fighting fifth? But I've been told that it's more kind of the knock-on effect to the rest of the season, the international hurdle, the spaces between his races, et cetera, et cetera. But I just, like, I, I, yeah, I just didn't really understand why a fighting fifth doesn't mean as much as a Christmas hurdle. Uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's a gap issue, I think. Like, it's just yeah. the extra week. And, like, it's just, just no having, I suppose observed Nikki for, for quite a few years now. I can kind of see in my mind's eye how this might pan out because Nikki, bless him, has a terrible habit of like not making things easy for himself in these situations. Like really they should just make a call now. You know, run or don't run. What's gonna happen is he's gonna faff and foof there for the next few days. Will he won't he? He'll come out with a bullish a bullish oh he worked fantastic on Tuesday. Can't wait to go and then he'll change his mind and not decide not to deck him and the world will melt down. And Nicky will be going, why always me? <laughs> Come on. Come on. He has got a ready-made replacement in Shishkin for the fighting oh, fifth. Jesus Christ, yeah. Shishkin and the fighting yeah. fifth will give us all something to talk about. All to be continued this weekend ahead of Betfair Tingle. Oh, and, and, and news has has arrived, Vanessa, uh, from the sidelines that if Constitution Hill doesn't show up, Rubo will. And uh, Rubo's win Canton win, of course, got a, got a, a form boost at the weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's an entirely positive message, is it? If that horse doesn't run, we will. If it does run, we won't. I think it's fine when it's constitutional. All, all, all bets are off when it's constitutional. You can run scared. You can legitimately run scared from him. The superstar. Um, TC, what is going on over at Southall? 
Obviously, we had an abandoned fixture due to the snow on Sunday in the end and the bad weather they've had up there. But the race meeting was due to take place without public admission because of their facilities issue. They put on an additional fixture. It means the public can't go to an additional fixture that's been put on. What's going on up there at Southern? It's, I don't think it's a big issue, but it obviously exercised some people because they were moaning about why put on an additional fixture when you know the course isn't fit for, for race girls to go to. If you're going to put an additional fixture, then hold it at a track that can that can take race goers. I mean, that was that was the issue in a nutshell. Because right. poor Suttler have a no look at it. My God. Like, they underwater, the half place gets washed away, and now they're getting snowed on. Um, geez, how's your look? It's all been downhill since that glorious night of the racing league finale there. Yeah, you're right. It has been downhill from there. And to be fair to them, you know, it sounds like they've done an incredible effort with the facilities, temporary structures up to try and get, you know, to get racing back on within a five week period from those floods, which, you know, has meant now that they're doing a whole like rebuild by all accounts for the weighing room and the grandstand. I think there's a lot of work still to be done. So they are back racing. It's a popular track for people to run their horses at with the new surface, but it's definitely not the finished article just yet. Um, let's move on. There was a news story that came through about Harry Eustace taking one of the Godolphin yards, leasing out one of the good sort of vacant Godolphin yards here in Newmarket, adding fuel to the rumours that the cutbacks are happening for the boys in Blue Kev, breeding front and racing front. Um, it's definitely not a growing operation, I think it's fair to say. No, but like, look, it is, it is massive. You know, it is massive. And cutbacks for them, you know, a few trims around the sides, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doom-mongering just yet. Um, you know, they've, they've got a huge amount of property there in Newmarket. Um, Harry Hughes, is on the grow. He needed some place to, to facilitate that growth. And this, this place was there, was available. Um, and they took a commercial decision to rent it out. And, you know, wouldn't you, I suppose, wouldn't you rather... Um, they are being used rather than sitting there doing nothing. Um, you know, best of luck to Harry Hustis. Um, like Godolphin are you know selling plenty of mares as they always do at this time of year. But um, like their stallion business is is thriving. Um, I think it's fair to say. So three new stallions be, uh, to the roster this coming yeah. season. Three and new, they've been, and they've been going great for like a number of years now. So on that front, so I wouldn't be ringing any ringing any doom bells. I think that they're going to be just all right. Okay, no panic stations just yet then. Um, TC, news came through this week about Baroness Harding's appointment at the Jockey Club. Baroness Harding is going to be, a, well, is in line. It hasn't happened yet, but she it looks as though she is going to be appointed the first women, woman in the Jockey Club, 273 years to be appointed as the senior steward. It's an unpaid role, but it looks as though she is poised to take the position. And yeah, first woman in 273-year history. It's pretty incredible, isn't it, for that unpaid role? Would you ever take an unpaid role, TC? Um, yeah, why not? It's called, parent, it's called parenthood. And you, end, <laughs> and you, actually, and you actually end up paying, paying for the privilege as well. Um, now, this is a curious one. Sky's um, the city editor, Mike Kleiman, uh, Mark Kleiman, broke this last week. And given that nobody's seen hiding her hair from her, which is quite ironic, uh, given that 
she didn't actually thrive in that track and trace role that spunked 37 million quid of our money. Um, I mean, she's been a jockey club member for, since 2017. Um, it just seems a very, very curious decision for someone who didn't come out of the pandemic, um, you know, with, with, with a shining CV, as it were. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it surprises me, but... Obviously, she's she's part of that establishment, and you know if if Mark if, if Matt Hancock's our knight in shining armor when it comes to affordability checks getting discussed, uh, we shouldn't really uh, be that surprised that Dido Harding is set to leave the Jockey Club racecourse, shall we? But uh, that's the world we live in. Is it a bit of a coup for them, though? Is it not that that that, that obviously her reputation is diminished post post COVID? But is it a bit like a football manager has a bad run with a team, but they get another chance? Like she has previous with the likes of Tesco and Talk Talk. She's a respected yeah. figure in the business community. Yeah, but the, the Talk Talk stuff. I mean, she was presided over an absolute shit show there, didn't she? And oh, um, did she? Yeah, she's well she's well trained up for races. No, no, there was a there was a massive scandal about leaking of um, personal details when she was at Talk Talk, and she headed out. Not saying it's her fault, but I think she carried the can from that reputation as well. But it's look, it's it's racing, isn't it? So, what you make you make a good point, mate. Like, I always find it very curious about you know football managers if they fail in one job, they just go on to the next job, don't they? Mate, I'd love to see a football manager going in there and said, yeah, I got relegated five times in a row with five different clubs, but I feel my luck's changing on the sixth go. And it's the same with it's the same with CEOs in the city, isn't it? It's bounce you know, around. And, and also, you know, it's it's the same with kind of like um well no, but I won't go into the paddock area again. But no, I, I just think <laughs> you, you, in racing it's it's hard to fail, isn't it? And um well, I'm- I'm delighted we live in a world where we give lot of people lots of chances. You're probably in a house. That's probably why you're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, TC. <coughs> right. Uh, one of the last things we have to talk about on the running order is the fact that the IHRB is, has been heavily criticised by the Public Accounts Committee over in Ireland, obviously, for the continued delay in the lack of the publishing of the report into those grave financial issues uh, that were reported on back in June. This was when <coughs> the Public Accounts Committee heard, well, they had a hearing and the hearing before the hearing, it was revealed that in preparation for the meeting, the chief exec of the IHRB had uncovered grave matters of concern. That obviously led to the chief financial officer being granted leave with immediate effect. And then since then, we haven't had the report. Kev, what has been going on? When might we have the report? What what are the what are the findings going to be? What are the rumours on the street about this? <laughs> Um, well, sure, look, it's a bad, the kept secret, isn't it, what, what this is about? You know, it relates to the, the financial governance of some of the charities that the IHRB oversee, um, uh, and money being moved around, etc. And look, um, Mazars have been brought in there to investigate this, and seemingly the reason why it's taken so long is that they've ended up going right back to the beginning of the formation of the IHRB and all the financial comings and goings to um, in an effort to compile a thorough report um, Daryl Lachlan said it's hopefully a matter of weeks, um, but sure, a matter of weeks could be two weeks or 100 weeks. I don't know how, how imminent it is. Um, hopefully not um, not too far away. Um, and I suppose the other uh, elephant in the old room here is 
the fact that the, these grave financial matters, um, when they were flagged, it kind of put a stop to a lot of the probing that was going on in the, the Public Accounts Committee of, um, you know, Dennis Egan's exit package, which again is a, is a matter of um, substantial controversy, even though I know Dara um, downplayed um, downplayed that and repeated previous explanations of that, um, that, you know, it wasn't public money that he was given that topped up his, his severance package, etc. Um, so, or his goodbye, um, his 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 whatever the, the there is a term for it, but basically your 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 leaving bonus essentially. Um, so look, we'll see that the full report might reveal more. And I'd say once the report is revealed, and um, the public accounts committee will be reloading their double barrel shotguns and uh, and and uh, aiming them at the IHRB again because there's still plenty to be picked through. I'd say once this report comes out. So so that's where that's sitting, as far as I'm aware. Little TBC then, but it's just it's no surprise to me that we still um don't have a huge amount of information, I guess, official information, because these things take a very long time to go through these processes. Um well, they do, Vanessa, and it's a bit rich from the public accounts committee. It's like, oh, because the wheels of government move at warp speed. I mean, come on, things take time. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> A um, couple of other points to mention before we wrap up. Obviously, news came through, Brendan, that Equinox has been retired um, off the mm. back of his latest devastating performance over in Japan. A horse that we obviously have been applauding on this show and those within racing have really got behind and can sort of um, applaud what a superstar he has been over in Japan and obviously in, when we've seen him out of Japan as well. But that's been mm. limited. And a proper superstar horse that we're not going to get to see on the track anymore. Totally get why they've retired him. But there's a slight sense of what could have been with him on a worldwide stage, I think it's fair to say. Well, it's interesting you say that. I suppose it's because for you and I, the biggest race in the world is the Arc de Triomphe. And I think it will always be for me. But for Aidan O'Brien, it's now become the Breeders' Cup turf. I suppose for Japanese people, it's the Japan Cup, uh, quite legitimately. They sent him out to Dubai uh, to put up this worldly performance, which the, the, the form couldn't have worked out there. And he's, he's, he's pretty, basically breaks the clock in every every race he does. I feel like, given the ascendancy of Japanese racing on the international stage, I feel like his legacy will only continue to grow because many of those horses he humbled in the Japan Cup. It'd be no surprise if they go global and start picking up some of the, the, the most glittering prizes in, in the game. They kept him in training as a four-year-old. They won the Japan Cup. They, 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 they've done enough. Uh, the best horse in the world. It was a pleasure to watch him. Yeah, a pleasure to watch indeed. But Ace Impact he, um... and Equinox retired. I still maintain that. Oh, there was there was more to come. Well, there was more to enjoy. I guess as a racing fan, you just want to enjoy these stars. Um, last, yeah, word I, I to think you... it, interestingly, Vanessa, I think um, I think the the official Japanese handicapper has made him the highest rated horse in the history of Japanese racing there the other day, uh, which wow. is a, a fair milestone because there's there's been some. Uh, there's been some fair rocket ships there, and uh, I don't know how how good your your financial transactions are, but the there was a few a bit of um, activity on Twitter, and this these figures would be known because like Equinox was owned by a syndicate, and the chat is that he's been syndicated for his stallion career for um five billion yen. So you can translate that yourself and see what that is. Wow. It's about thirty. I think it's about thirty million in uh in, well, that in would our be about goal, right but, now, um, it? Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Game. It's um, um, a, fair, a fair go. Were you watching I'm a Celeb last night, Vanessa? 
No, didn't see that. I haven't been watching it. <laughs> yeah, Frankie, first man out. Um, so uh, who's uh, out? So I, I didn't know yeah, that. So so ends racing's interest in uh, in I'm a celeb. Um, pretty, uh, and I actually have been watching it. I'm I'm, I'm somewhat ashamed to admit. Um, yeah, and it, it, <laughs> it's it's actually a little bit depressing that uh, the most electrifying, charismatic character that horse racing has ever produced is essentially considered by the public to be to be pretty boring and dull because that's the, that's why he's uh, he's lost out because the well, the um the way the way it works is you, you, people have to ring up and vote for who they want to stay and the person with the least votes gets the heave ho so um fair to say he hasn't engaged with with the old great british public uh, despite the fact that there's some horrendous characters in there that um <laughs> Right. That have been that have been shaming themselves nightly, and uh, yet they got more votes than him. So there you go, slightly, slightly depressing. Right. And he did he did give a get in when it, when it was announced he was leaving. So maybe maybe he will jet off to Hong Kong after all. But apparently, contractually, he's not allowed. He's not allowed to do it. Apparently. All right. Um, well, yeah, I have not been following. I'm a celebrity. Reality TV is not for me. I'm afraid. Last word to you, TC. Very. You should, be, you should be the subject of a reality TV show, Vanessa. I'd watch it. Well, my reality is, yeah, is a little bit different to a lot of people's, I think. Um, <laughs> in my head, anyway. Uh, TC, TC, non-runners on Saturday. Uh, what was going on? Non-runners up and down the country, left, right and centre. Uh, hell of a big number of non-runners on the big day. Why so? What was happening? Um, yeah, I mean, Doncaster, Bangor and Carlisle all beat the freeze. Uh, but... Obviously, some trainers didn't like what they saw and some jockeys didn't either because um, Bangor got... There was a bit of row over the ground at Bangor. Um, Doncaster, similarly, loads of non-runners there. And uh, Kevin's favourite man, Mr Lowe's son, played a significant role there. <laughs> so, I think only four out of 12 hurdles got jumped on, on one of the races. Uh, uh, and um, Carlisle yesterday. I mean, there was any... Basically, there, there was... Um, the police basically told you not to travel in the car yeah. area and the racing went ahead. The, the, the 22 runners, six runners. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was mass withdrawals because of travel. And in and in three of the races, there were more pillows on Brendan's bed. I mean, there were there were three, ended up being three matches. Uh, and there was a couple of free. Should, should, should that meeting go ahead, Tony? Should, should that be allowed go ahead in that scenario? I know it was it was an, it was an exceptional set of circumstances. They, they had They had another inspection at eleven fifteen, and at that point, I was monitoring it. At that point, they'd already had sixteen withdrawals because of travel. Now, it's it, it, obviously it was absolutely horrendous, wasn't it? I mean, like. When you get three matches on the card, you got, I I don't know, he was in the 20s, the actual non-runners, and there was only about 39 entries to start with. So, yeah, I don't know what went on. I don't know what went on at the other two tracks about, about the ground, but, I mean, if a lot of people, if the priests are telling you not to travel in the area, even though the course was actually fine to race, there's no surprise that, you know, there's, there were so many uh, withdrawals. But, uh, like it should have been, it should have been called off. As soon as good... that, as bad as the declarations were, as soon as that police warning, it, it should have been called off. Like, yeah, that, that, that was that, that was that uh, was like a, a deeply embarrassing spectacle for British racing, wasn't it? There was, I mean, that, shouldn't there was be, that shouldn't be allowed to happen. Some some trainers actually posted pictures of them trying to get there. I think it might be Philip Kirby. I mean, the amount of snow trying to trying to get out of his drive was was, was some feat. 
Uh, but like I said, the, the immediate air around Carlisle was fine, but obviously a lot of trainers on 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 Carlisle's doorstep, are they? But yeah, it was it was silly, wasn't it? it just yeah, I'm with I'm with you guys. It seems like a bit of a farcical affair. Anyway, look, that wraps up the show, guys. We must call it an end here. Uh, thank you very much, as always, to you three and Kev. All joking aside about Brendan's non-existent lifetime achievement awards, you are actually up for a proper award, broadcaster of the year at the HWPAs today. We wish you all the luck, obviously. We're very proud of you, Kev. We've had a good week for Betfair team members taking the Coral Gold Cup. That was great, Anna, Glyn Davis. And now you're going to go and win an award at the HWPA. So we're going to have plenty to celebrate. Best of luck. Enjoy your day, won't you? I don't want to give it a go, yeah. I'll be back up in Newmarket this evening, Vanessa. I'll give you the debrief. It's, it's, let's hope you beating up them scruffy students puts you over the edge and makes you win Kev <laughs> um, I look forward to catching up with you later Kev guys to you guys thank you as luck, always Kev. for your contributions um, listeners and viewers out there as always thanks for joining us and we will be back on Thursday where we will be on Racing Only Better discussing all things Betfair Tingle Creek and more plenty coming your way in the next week or so have a good week everyone that was Wade in from her which is quite ironic uh, given that she didn't actually thrive in that track and trace role that spunked 37 million quid of our money um, I mean she's been a jockey club member since 2017 um, 